And this is Encounter with God. You're with Lyle Mon on The Breakfast Show. And as we kick off the Encounter with God section, we have another quiz for the clue. Yes, and as you know, this quiz has been up. You didn't even pick what I just said, did you? You have another quiz for the clue. Yeah. Yeah, you say that all the time, Lyle. Like <laughs> almost every single time. It's not a surprise to me. <laughs> Do you only just realize? Cue for the quiz. Did you cue for the quiz? Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> it is so Monday in your head. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Did you only just realize that you mess that up all the time? Nah, I guess I, I do mess it up regularly. Yeah, but yeah. Hey, um, whatever. On the regular. Uh, yes, we do have on that clue for the quiz. It is, of course, already up live uh, on our socials. But this is a Who Am I quiz this morning. On this Monday morning, we're all trying to get our brains into gear, not just Lyle and myself. Okay, this is a third clue for this one. And it says, I was thoroughly trained in the law by a Pharisee named Gamaliel. Mm. I feel like this is like almost too easy. We've been studying about this guy. We've been studying about, uh, we learned about Gamaliel just recently. Pretty famous Pharisee, his student. Yeah, anyway. Oh, by the way, I just want to do a quick shout out. A welcome back to Australia to Lisa Taylor from uh, Days for Girls. Remember that charity initiative? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yep. she's back from her, uh, her, um, trip to Nepal where she was, uh, helping, uh, uh, young women uh, get uh, ladies' products, you know, feminine hygiene. Maybe we should get it back on the show to yeah, talk about um, the, the, the whole trip. Tell us about the story. Tell us yeah, the story. Yeah, I think Tell it's a good idea. Elise, I'm going to call you soon. <laughs> there you go. Welcome back, Heads Lisa. Up. Quick shout out to her. She's probably sleeping off jet lag right now. Yeah, probably. Like a present for you, Mon. <gasps> oh, Lyle. Yes. I rescued this yesterday oh. from from the garage sale. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay Actually, maybe okay. I didn't rescue it, but somebody handed it to me and said, Mon needs this. Oh, what is this? I'm so <laughs> so I can't take too much credit for it. Maybe I'm taking too, too much credit. Right, I have a present for you, Mon. Go on. All right, all right, all right. Here it comes. Here it comes. It's coming ready? out of your pocket, so it can't yes. be that big. But go on. Ah! Oh yes! Oh, thank you so much. Which lovely person gave it to you? How do they know? Yarn. It's a ball of wool. Ball of yarn, knitter's choice. Oh, I thought very it was nice. yarn. You said it was wool. Well, it is yarn, but w- people don't always know what yarn is, so sometimes I temper that by saying, oh, ball of wool, because they all know what that is. But yeah, yeah, it's a ball of yarn. What's the difference between yarn and wool? Well, this is, as you can see, 100% nylon, so it's not actually wool at all. Oh. So it's just because a ball of wool, it's like the most popular one, because originally we only had wool, but then we, um, you know, diddled with synthetics, and now we have, you know, acrylics and nylons and all kinds of different mixes. Okay. And so they're all yarn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we often just say ball of wool for all of them. Uh, a bit like you'd say hoover for all vacuum cleaners. In some countries. In some countries. Not this yeah. country. Not this country. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but this is lovely. Thank you very much. In fact, I might even... Oh, look, at it matches perfectly with the new project I'm about to start. Look at that. There you go. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Very nice. It's going to take you a while, that project. I can see that, that, that blue... It's very thin. No, thin. see, what I'm going to do here, because while I was overseas, a, a lovely young lady looked after my um, very delicate uh, tropical plants for me, mm-hmm. and um, and she didn't want me to pay her, so I'm going to crochet her a thank you gift. So I think out of this sort of like mushroomy brown color, I'm going to make a pot holder, and then with the blue, the very thin one, and then with the one that you've just given me, the white cream uh, it's also very thin. I want to make some flowers and decorate the pot holder with it. Nice little floral pot holder. Lyle, doesn't that sound like something you would just love? <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm fascinated. Just like- yeah, overwhelmed with how wonderful that must be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if my brain was just phasing right then, but anyway. <laughs> you heard florals and pot holders and yarn, and you were like, I'm tuning out now. <laughs> I'm right, actually trying to, to stay alive here. So I've got <laughs> something in my throat that's just about killing me right now, but anyway. 
Today's subject, in fact, this week's subject is yes. John chapter 17. You know what John chapter 17 is all about? Uh, Gospel of John chapter 17. John the Revelator? Yes, John the Reve- Revelator. You were about to say elevator, weren't you? <laughs> no, I was about to say Revelator, but nearly said it wrong. Yeah, you almost said elevator. <laughs> See, come on, you know what John 17 is all about. Uh, I'm, well, John I'm was blanking. An elevator. I'm blanking. No, John, John was an elevator. He was an elevator. Because he elevated people by bringing them to Christ. That's that's right. Why do we call him the revelator? He should be the John the Elevator. John the Revelator and he elevator. elevated He elevated Christ in the minds of people. That's right. That's right. He did. He. We should all be elevators. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No yeah. shame in being an elevator. Excellent. You okay. know what John 17 is Oh, the is prayer about. of yeah, Jesus. Yeah, of course it is. <coughs> so there there's a lot go. of things here, but we're studying um, unity at mm-hmm. the moment. Unity is such we an important are. concept within Christianity. Mm-hmm. And the prayer of Jesus is a prayer that's really based around the concept of unity. Oh, is and it really? And a push for and a call for unity. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay, okay. Mm. So we're going to study it out? We are indeed. Why don't you give us a couple of verses right there? Okay. Chapter 17, verse 1. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to the heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the works you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed to you, I revealed you to the ones who gave me from this world. What? Hang on, let me try that again. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. Mm, okay. All right, let's stop there for a moment. Let's uh, consider some of the uh, um, concepts that are coming out of this passage here. In fact, let me just grab my Bible. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, there's, there's something I want to um, highlight at this particular point, and that is that if in John 17 here, Jesus is actually asking the Father on his, uh, for himself. Okay. So he's praying to the Father. Um, where is it? Oh, let's see here. This is life eternal that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Um, and now, O Father, glorify me with your own self, with the glory which I had before the world was. A couple of interesting thoughts that come out of this particular passage. Mm-hmm. And the first is this. Jesus is praying to the Father. He is interceding, right? Yeah. He goes on to intercede for his disciples. That's something we all understand. Yeah. Because we often intercede for each other. That's right. Here we find him interceding for himself with the Father. Mm-hmm. So why, yes, why would Jesus intercede for himself with the Father? I don't know. Why would Jesus pray for himself? Well, oh, because he's about to represent fallen humanity. Yes, he is about to represent fallen humanity. He's about to go to the cross, and that you know, if you were facing something like that, I think you would do a lot of praying as well. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. Why does Jesus need to pray for himself? Oh, as an example. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. 
So he sets an example for us. Yep. Uh, no question about that. But even still, is, is, that's just, you know, it's, it makes it a little bit pointless, don't you think? Meaningless if it's just if it's just like what you know he could have if he'd wanted to communicate the same kind of thing he could have said hey guys this is how you pray like he does in the uh, um, in the Lord's prayer if you want to know how to pray this is how you do it mm-hmm. so you know <clears throat> he could have instructed us through his example because in the Lord's prayer he sets an example of how to pray yeah so he could have said okay this is what I'm doing I'm instructing you how to pray but he doesn't come and say I'm instructing you how to pray he just prays. I, I'm not sure. And he prays to the Father mm-hmm. for himself, and yet he is God. I can't think of any so other reason why. So why does God pray to the Father? I can't think why of any other reason why. Why does God pray to God for himself? If it's, not, if it's not because he's representing humanity now and he's praying for – because he took the sins upon himself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's not praying for that, if he's not praying – a to be an example to us as to how we should pray. I'm not sure why else. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, he is God. Yeah, why is God praying to God? Everything that de- Jesus does is an example. So I'm not. I'm not denying that. Is it because he's a communicative God? Like, I think that there's. I think that there's more to it than this, and I think that's it's something else that we need to dig into. Okay. All right. So we got that right. We got that. That we got to pro- come back and solve that problem in just a moment. There's another problem here. Uh huh. <clears throat> it says this. Uh, this is life eternal that they might know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So here the Bible differentiates between the one true God and Jesus Christ. That's weird. <laughs> so how are you going to answer this one, Mon? Well, you've stumped me several times this morning now. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so then there's a couple of questions that automatically come up, right? Yes. So, is Jesus God? Well, yeah, he is. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about that. Is Jesus a divine being? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Is he a divine being? Absolutely. So we all agree that Jesus is a divine being. So if Jesus is a divine being, then... Um, do you have greater God and lesser God happening here? Do you have two gods? Mm. Because you cannot deny the fact that there are two persons here, um, two members of the Godhead. Uh, there is the Father and there is Jesus Christ, who is also a divine person. Do you have ranks amongst the Godhead? Is one greater than the other? Well, I don't know about ranks, but I mean, he did take on the human form, right? So that, wouldn't that make him, I don't know, a little bit lower? <laughs> Yeah, so some people come across this one and they use it to, uh, you know, to, to to contradict the Trinity and all this kind of thing, and say, oh, you know, there's only one true God, you know, um, and that is the Father. And I'm like, okay, so that implicate that statement by itself, that very statement right there, there is only one true God, and that is the Father, implies that Jesus is not a true God, or a true a true part of the Godhead. Okay, yeah, he's yeah. not truly divine. Mm-hmm. He is lesser than the Father. And this is one of the things that I often find that is a uh, a, a way of um, you know identifying false doctrine mm-hmm. is that whenever you find any false doctrine is going to downplay the character of God, it's going to downplay the personhood of God, it's going to downplay who God is, uh, and Jesus Christ in particular. 
You can't go down this path without degrading in some way the uh, Jesus Christ, lowering him. This is not a. This is not an exalting of Jesus Christ. This is a lowering of Jesus Christ. And yeah, it's one of those interesting passages. However, the whole passage is based around Christ's humanity. Okay. The whole context of the passage is Christ's humanity. And as a human being, when Jesus lived here on this earth, he lived as a human being. So that he could be an example for us. Let's, let's, let's look at some passages on this. Let's go over to uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter Hebrews chapter 2. two. And there's a bunch of uh, passages here. <coughs> I'll get you to start for me in verse 11. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11. Hebrews 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 1 is all about the divinity of Christ. Hebrews chapter 2 is all about the humanity of Christ. Okay, chapter 2 and verse 11 verse says... 11, yes. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Yeah, let me read it to you from uh, from this one. For both he that sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all one. Amen. So it gives a bit of a different perspective here. We are the ones who are sanctified, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus is the one who sanctifies Mm-hmm. Sanctifies means to make holy. We are the ones who are made holy. Jesus is the one who makes holy. Gotcha. And the Bible says that we're all of one. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. Jesus became a human being just like us. And this is this is this is Paul's whole whole point um, as you work down through here. Uh, verse fourteen, the Bible says, "For as much then." As the children are partakers of flesh and blood. So that's Old English, but it simply means that you have flesh and blood. Yeah. It goes on and says, He also himself likewise took part of the same. He also became flesh and blood. Paul could have said he also became flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't. He makes a big emphasis of it right here. Oh, he does? He says, He also himself likewise. There's four redundant words, right? (laughs) <laughs> Paul loves to use redundant words when he wants to make a point, when he wants to really strongly emphasize something. And so he uses these four redundant words because he could have said, you know, he took part of the same. But no, 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 he also himself likewise took part of the same. Um, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So Jesus became a human being so that he could destroy Satan. He became a human being like us so that he could destroy Satan. All right, what have you got in verse uh, 17 there? Verse 17 says, Therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. All right, so in verse 17, in, in how many respects was Jesus made like us? Every respect. It says every yeah, respect. Yeah, he uses the word every. So he was made like us in every respect. Um, and, you know, that makes sense because uh, from that perspective, he can be an example for us. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't made like us in every respect, it would be impossible for him to be an example. If he had come here, like, say, as an angel and lived a righteous life, we'd be like, yeah, so what? We already know that angels can do that. We need to see how a human can do that. Yeah. Because he was made in every respect like us, we find him praying to his father. Now, you pray to God. Does God pray to God? Well, when God becomes a human, 
God does pray to God. Yeah. Because Jesus, when he was here on this earth, did not tap into any source of power that was unavailable to us. Oh, so he needed to get the same, he needed to go to the source and get some strength as well, just the same way that we need to. Yes. And this for him was by choice. Mm-hmm. For us, we're born that way. He chose to be this way. And it wasn't just a matter of like, oh, you know, I'm just, uh, I think I'll do this. It was like, no, I'm going to actually make a choice to be, you know, 100% human and to live like a human being. So Jesus was praying to God because he needed to. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, as a human. Mm-hmm. Now, because he's God, and this is the this is the this is the conflict you have. Because he is a hundred percent God, he's a hundred percent divine, and he never ever ceases to be a hundred percent God. He never ceases to be a hundred percent divine. Then you have this this aspect where at any point he could change his mind. Yeah. At any point he could decide. You know what? I've had enough of being a human. I'll be God. And at any point, he could act as God. You know, at any point, he had the command of you know hundreds of thousands of angels, and he could snap his fingers and they would do what he wanted to. He never did that while he was here on this earth. He lived as a human being while he was here on this earth, but he did not cease to be God. He ceased to live as God. He became one of us. And that's a really important uh, aspect of uh, it's really of what Jesus did. It's, it is very mind blowing. Yeah. Particularly when you go on to verse 18 here in chapter 2, please, Mon. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Okay, so this really brings out the, the, the main point as to why Jesus became a human being like us and he suffered like us. The wages of sin is death. He could have come to this earth. He's like, yes, I'm going to pay the penalty for sin. Um died a reasonable, easy death in the first 10 minutes of being here and gone back to heaven. Problem Mm -hmm. solved, Uh, the penalty has been paid. Salvation has been guaranteed. But he didn't do that. He spent 33 and a half years here. He suffered tremendously during that 33 and a half years, beyond what any of us can even begin to imagine. And, And as a result of that suffering, when we suffer... He can stand right there beside you. He can put his arm around you. He can say, I know what you're going through. I've been there myself. I, I have suffered that myself. I, I, have, I have experienced this. I know how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and, and this is the reason why, because he wanted to be our elder brother. He wanted to be one of us, the Bible says. Um, he wanted to be able to help us. He wanted to understand us. He wanted to become one with us. And so this helps us to understand the oneness of God and the unity of God and the kind of unity that God wants to see when we see what Jesus actually did in coming to this earth and becoming a human being. And when we see him praying to the Father in his humanity, it reveals to us a God who um, who loved us so much that he was prepared to come to this earth. It's a very humbling thought, and it's also... Okay. A little bit eye-opening to to think, you know, God came to earth and took on our form, but he knew how much he needed to stay connected and pray to God. And to think of how, in comparison to how much Jesus prayed, how little we pray, and yet we're, we know we're so much further fallen in our, in our sin and our degradation. We don't have the divine power that we can just snap our fingers and take it back whenever we feel like. Jesus never yeah. did while he was here during, yeah. on this earth. He never never once did he do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he did amazing things. Yeah. He never sinned. And I think that once you've sinned, it's easy to sin again. Yes. And oh, absolutely. To think how much we need to pray, how much help we need, and how little we actually pray compared to, you know, how much God himself prayed to God. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's a little frightening, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good thought that you bring up right there because we have those program shortcuts in our brains towards sin that Jesus never had. This is Reggie Smith. Reggie Smith and Nathan Young now is the day here on Faith FM. Really and beautiful can, song. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's a beautiful album. I keep, every time we play one of the songs of this album, I always talk about how it's one of my all-time favorite albums. It's a compilation of songs that are all based on uh, the, um, I guess, like the founding doctrines out of the Bible for the church. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just want our listeners to know. Salient Bible truths. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I just want our listeners to know that I've actually ordered a bunch of these CDs from the uh, Better Books and Food Shop. And uh, when they arrive, we'll be using them as prizes. Talking about prizes, mm-hmm. we yes. have a prize available right now. So give us a call, oh, 1-800-324-843 to get the prize. But to do so, you're going to have to answer this quiz question. Who am I? I am a Jew who was born in Tarsus of Sis- 
Silesia. Silesia? Mm-hmm. Silesia. I was, I'm a Jew who was born... It's one born- of the most fi- famous uh, Bible characters, and they're trying to make this obscure. They're trying to find, oh, what's the most obscure thing <laughs> we can find out about this person so that we don't this give is, it away automatically. This is a be really hard. It's actually really hard to, uh, to, to um, uh, make clue questions for a... Really Someone as major. famous as this without making yeah, it yeah, obvious. Yeah, right. yeah. So who is a Jew that was born in Tarsus of Cilicia? Mm, okay, who was that? And uh, give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number or 0491-064-669 if you know the answer. Mine, I have a verse for you to read. And before I re- get you to read, let me ask you this question. Can you, do, can you do the same things that Jesus did when he was on earth? Let's yes. Think about, let's think about the things that Jesus did. So Jesus um, healed people. Mm-hmm. Jesus raised people from the dead. Yep. Jesus could tell people what could tell what people were thinking. Um, do you know what I think? If the Lord imbued me with His power and wanted me to be able to tell what people were thinking, I could do all that. But you moment. think you could do better than that? I no. Well, didn't He say that we could? You, will you, do can, you can, you know what, you can smell I'm, a trap in my yeah, question, yeah, can't you? Like I've got that. There's a verse that's coming to mind soon about him saying that we could do all this and more. She knows me too well. I've got mm-hmm. that, that, that grin on my face that's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm falling into a yeah. trap right now. No. Okay, go to uh, John chapter 14, so just a page or two back, mm-hmm. <coughs> and verse 12. John 14 and verse 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Oh, yes. So that's a pretty powerful statement right there. And what it demonstrates is this. It demonstrates that Jesus in his humanity was not drawing on his divine power. Oh, He had laid aside his divine power. He was drawing on the divine power of his Father. Mm-hmm. And as he drew on his divine power of his father, he lived an example for us and revealed a source of power that is available to us. Now, if we back up one verse from where we were just reading, and we're going to come back to this further on in this week's study, but I'm just going to highlight it now as something to think about. Uh, verse 11 gives the key to uh, the source of power that Jesus had. Let me read for us verse 11. Verse 11 says, Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Okay. What does it mean to be in the Father and the Father in him? It's because this is, this is why... Because he, uh, Sorry. No, go on, go I'm, running, on. I'm running ahead. I'm butting in. Go on. Go on. He says, he says, Believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. And if you don't believe that, believe it because of the things that you see, the works that you see. Yeah. Then he goes on and he says... You as humans can do the same works or greater works. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I don't know, I think a lot of people might think it might be too good to believe. <laughs> it is quite astounding, isn't it? It's pretty full on. But what it, what it demonstrates is the source of Jesus' power. What was the source of Jesus' power, according to verse 11? Having, having, having God in him. Having oneness or un- unity with ah, God. Ah, unity. You know, this actually reminds me of the whole... Um, the vine and the branches and that analogy. Yeah, and these are all things that we're going to be coming back to as we go through this week's study, but they're, they're, they're important little tidbits right here. Okay, now what I want to do is I want to jump from here because you've got, you know, I'm in the Father, the Father mm-hmm. is in me, that's how I do these works, you can do greater works with the, than these, the implication being that as humans we can be united with God 
and do great things. Amen. <clears throat> what does it mean to be united with God? John 17, verse 3. Let's flick back over there very quickly. Um, it says, And this is life eternal, that they might know you. What does it mean that they might know you? No, I didn't have a relationship with him. Right. Yeah. What does that mean? Like if, if someone asks you if you know someone, like if someone said, hey, do you know Lyle? I'd be like, yeah, I know Lyle. Mm-hmm. Like we're mates. But if someone was like, hey, do you know the Stig? I'd be like, look, I've seen the Stig in real life, but I, I don't have any working relationship Nobody with him. Nobody knows the Stig. Yeah. <laughs> That was very maybe a bad analogy. That was a great analogy. I think it's a perfect analogy right there. <laughs> Nobody, knows, Nobody knows this dude. Yeah, because no one has a relationship with him. Even if they've like maybe, you know, seen him like I have, it doesn't mean that you actually You've have seen it. the stick. I've seen the stick. I, I, I saw him in Ireland. Um but I, I don't I don't like I don't know him even though I've seen him. Nobody knows the stick. <laughs> What are you talking about? Have I sidelined this whole thing by mentioning the stick? I was trying to think. You of have someone taken like, my mind down the path was, of cars when I'm supposed to be studying the Bible. I was trying to think of someone that I have seen but don't know that everybody else also it's knows. It's actually the perfect analogy because you know, <laughs> yeah. By definition, the stick is supposed to be somebody that nobody knows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the stick wrote a book, but <laughs> oops. <laughs> Oopsie daisies. A book about being the stick. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> But, um, okay, so why don't you know the Stig? Well, because I didn't interact with him. I didn't, you know, spend any time with him. I didn't build any relationship with him. Didn't do a few laps. <laughs> I didn't get in the car with him. Didn't have a chat. He's not very chatty. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't, didn't even shake his hand. Just Okay, just, but there's a bunch of celebrities out there that do know the Stig because they have done a bunch of laps yeah. with the Stig. They've uh-huh. done training with him. They've, you know, he's, he's taught them how to drive, all that kind mm-hmm, of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, in a racing environment. So, uh, um, yeah, there, there, there is there is that um, that whole uh, aspect out there. Okay, so you can know about somebody, yep, without knowing them. That's right. All right. So this is not talking about knowing about God because I think pretty much everybody knows about God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a fairly safe assumption. It'd be hard to find someone in this earth who has never heard of the concept of God. That's right. Yeah. All right. So. How do you get to know God? I mean, you've seen the Stig. Have you ever seen God? I have not seen God, any evidences of God. Mm-hmm. And so that's like way, way more further removed than the Stig, right? That's true. That's true. In fact, I'd probably have a better chance of, if I wanted to get a physical view of God or the Stig, I'd probably have a better chance of going and finding the Stig and getting a glimpse of that if I wanted to see a physical apparition, so to speak, of either one or two. Yeah, of a body. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to get to know God, I have to get to know the Bible. All right. So you could get to know the Stig a little bit by reading his book. That's true. Absolutely. And God has a book? God has a book. All right. But would you, if you, if that was all you did, you just go, you've read the Stig's book, it's like I know, it, I now know more about him, but do you really know him yet? No. You don't have to have an actual working relationship with him, actual personal communication with him, spend time with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And if you were to sort of, you know, get to know the Stig, how would you actually go about that? Spend time with him. Yep. All comes down to quality time. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have to see a person to have a relationship with them? No. 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 Not Lots of people have long distance relationships. Yeah. The thing these days. Yeah. I mean, everybody's having long distance relationships. I have long distance relationships. How do they with have? Them? That's right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so this is where prayer comes in as the second major part. There are many other aspects to, you know, knowing God, having a relationship with God, having a connection with God. But Bible study and prayer 
are two key aspects because they're sort of the primary means of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, God speaking to us through his word, us speaking to God through prayer. And uh, that's, that's how we achieve unity um, with God. Absolutely. Encourage everybody to go down that path today. This is Abid. Done. 
But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au.
You're listening to Chris Wenegar with Holy, Holy, Holy here on Faith FM as we come to the question of the day. Do we have another clue for our quiz there? We have one last clue for the quiz before we move on from that. Uh, So the uh, final clue, this who am I, is uh, my conversion occurred when a bright light blinded me on the way to Damascus. That's a pretty obvious one. I think we all know that is. Yeah, give us a call. There's a prize coming your way. 1-800-324-843 with the answer to that question. Who had the road to Damascus experience? The one that's all so famous now. Okay, Lyle, time for question of the day. The question is, what is the motivation to become a Christian if hellfire is not eternal? My question is, what is the motivation to become a Christian if hellfire is eternal? Because you are serving a God who says, you know what? You did something I don't like, so... Um, I'm not just going to punch you in the face for it. Nah, that's not good enough. I'm not just going to beat you up and leave you on the side of the road bloody and bruised. That's probably not good enough. I'm not even going to imprison you for the next, uh, say, 20 years or so. That's not good enough. Um, here's what I'm going to do. You did something I don't like, so I'm actually going to burn you. Okay. That's pretty severe. That's severe. But not just burn you, for eternity. In that in fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my divine power to preserve your life because obviously a person can't survive being burnt. I'm going to use my divine power to, to preserve your life. There is no life outside of Christ. The Bible makes that clear. So that I can burn you for eternity. So I'm going to keep you alive yeah, so I yeah. can keep Does anybody you. feel that that's a little bit uh, over the top? That's maybe a little bit excessive? Why over the top? Yeah, no human beings are that evil. And so the Bible is very, very clear on this particular subject. The Bible says that, yes, God will destroy uh, sin and sinners. That is the purpose of death. The purpose of death is to get rid of sin from the universe so that there's no more pain, suffering, sin, death, anything like that ever again. Death is not without a purpose. The wages of sin is death is there for a reason. This is why we develop vaccines so that we can kill a virus so that it never comes back again. And we've been fairly successful with some viruses uh, because of that. They have been eradicated from the earth, which is really good. God sees sin in the same way, and he wants to kill that virus. And the unfortunate thing is that if we get in the way of it, that means that we have to die. That's why he died for us, so that we don't have to. But the Bible says, They went up on the surface of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. This is Revelation 20 and verse 9. And here comes hellfire. And fire came down from heaven, from God out of heaven, Onto the wicked and devoured them. Did I see a cake here earlier? You did. I did? Yes. I thought I saw a cake here earlier. Yeah, yeah, I baked a cake. Okay, so we've got a uh, a new boss coming today. Uh Uh-huh. And we've got an old boss going out, so it's a welcome, Maddie, goodbye, Nick Uh, uh, uh cake that we have today. And uh, if any of you are wondering, Mon, if you are wondering what the word devour means. <laughs> Stick around. <laughs> Stick around. Stick around. I will, be, I will gladly demonstrate what that word means. It does not mean preserve. There are those who think, oh, no, the word means preserve. It does not mean preserve. Mm-mm. It means to devour. And the Bible says that the fire devours them. The purpose is to cleanse the world of sin, pain, and suffering. Because as it goes over the page to say, here in Revelation 21 and verse 4, And God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. The Bible says there's going to be no more death, and there will never be pain again. You can't have a fulfillment to that verse while hellfire is still burning. 
And so hellfire obviously goes out. And there are abundance of verses in the Bible that demonstrate this. You could go, for example, to, well, while we're here in Revelation, let's go back to Jude, where the Bible talks about uh, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says here in verse 7 that Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So here the Bible talks about Sodom and Gomorrah being burnt, the inhabitants in that city. If you go over to Second uh, Peter, and I'm rattling through verses here. Oh, I'm running out of time. Second Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, notice they're an example of what happens to the wicked, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example to those that after would live ungodly lives. Is Sodom and Gomorrah still burning? No. No, they're not still burning. And so the Bible doesn't teach that we come to Christ through fear. The Bible can't teaches that we come to Christ because we see a better way. We see God's love for us in his death for us on Calvary. We love him in return. And that's what brings us to Christ, not the fear of hellfire. Thank you, Lyle. If you have a question, give us a call here. Our number at Faith FM is 1-800-324-843. Among the shadows, you wiped my tears away, and I felt the pain of heartbreak, and I've seen the brighter days, and I've prayed prayers to heaven from my lowest place, and I have held your blessings, God, you give and take away, no matter what I have, your grace is
You're listening to Torrin Wells, Hills and Valleys here on Faith FM. As we come to the end of our show, we're about to give something away, and this one is called... It's called Judgment and Hell. God may be kinder than you think. And it has a massive picture of flames all over the front of it. In the shape of a heart, though. In the shape of a heart. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes, we do. The, the question about hell and, uh, and you know, eternal hellfire is actually a big one that we get. And, uh, and it is a huge um, topic that people really need to understand. I wish everyone on the planet, if I could just snap my fingers, would instantly have a, a complete understanding of the topic of, of judgment and hell. Um, hellfire is actually a teaching about the love of God. Yeah. Because this is God eradicating pain from the universe. That's what yeah. it comes down to. Yeah. And this is what God is all about. God is all about getting rid of pain. That's it. That's it. And, and this is what the Bible teaches. Everything the Bible teaches is based on harm reduction and then finally harm elimination. And people have such a messed up view of this, you know, roasting and toasting for all eternity kind of view. And it's such a skewed view that really destroys in our minds the true loving character and nature of, of God. And so it's really important to be... Um, yeah, and I have sh- a full a full knowledge of the Bible Bible truth about hell. I should say, if you've got questions on this, give us a call because mm. question time. You've got five minutes. Yeah, you know, and you might have questions. But what about this verse? What about that verse? What about the other verse? Give us a call. Send us a message. Send us a email. Uh, info at faithfm.com.au. Um, we're happy to be in contact with you. Or if you'd like to, I've got a whole subject on the su- on the subject of Hellfire in my Bible study course, which is called the Prophetic Code. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to do that course, then give us a call as well, and we can make that happen for you. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's one a whole subject right there, which is free. But right now, you want oh, this book because yep. it's a small book, just a itty bitty little one. Yeah, Judgment in Hell. It's free for you now. Give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM one eight hundred three two four eight four three. We will send you this book free of charge. And now it's time for us to go devour some cake, Lyle. Woo! Yeah.
Your will be done.